Who thinks of that? Cowboys fans. <laughs> okay, we are this morning going to close out um, the first chapter of Philippians. So we're at Philippians 1, 27 through 30, if you want to turn there. <clears throat> Let me just read this. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and I see you or remain absent, I will hear of you, that you're standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, that you, that too from, and that too from God. <clears throat> for to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me and now here in me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you that you uh, reveal yourself and your plan to us in these very holy, holy scriptures, Father. We ask, Lord, that you would open them for us today and that your truth would be spoken. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we start here with... Uh, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. I want to focus on, on that for a second. What, is it, what does it mean to be worthy of the gospel of Christ? Um, the, the Greek word axios here, uh, it's what you would expect it to say, relatively high degree of comparable merit or worth. Um, but, but what does that look like? We, we see this concept of being worthy of in, in several places, obviously, in the Bible. I put some of it on your sheets there. Um, in Ephesians 4.1, talks about, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of, of your calling or of the calling which you have, with which you've been called. So there's a uh, worthy of, of, the, of the calling that you have in, in Ephesians 4.1 and, and Colossians 1.10. So you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. We see that quite a bit. Um, and John, uh, third, 3 John 1.6 says, you will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. So We've got this, this idea of, of conducting oneself worthy of the Lord. Um, Ephesians 4.1, what does that look like? Humility, gentleness, patience, tolerance for one another, uh, diligent to unity. Uh, that, that's what Ephesians talks about when, when it talks about this concept. And, um, Colossians 1.10, which, which I've referenced there, talks about bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And um, 3 John 1.6 talks about sending off the brethren in a manner worthy of God. Um, so this, this concept has many applications, as you can see, but it's a little more nuanced here in, in Philippians 1.27, and I want to talk about um, two ways here very quickly. Uh, first of all, Paul's talking about conducting oneself worthy of the gospel. And that's important because the gospel has been entrusted to the church. Um, and the church in Philippi and the church here and the church writ large has been trusted with the gospel. It's, a, it's obviously a precious thing. And, and so we have the opportunity and the obligation to share the gospel. Indeed, that's what we're here to do. But we also have the opportunity to undermine it with our actions. <clears throat> and that's important. I, my brother has this song he wrote called uh, one heart, and, and one of the lyrics is, um, if I'm not the same man when I 
go into work as I am when I walk through the doors of the church, Lord have mercy. And, you know, it, it comes back to me every day that if I walk out that door and I'm somebody different, Lord have mercy on me because I'm entrusted with your gospel, calling myself a Christian if I'm going to talk about it. But, but here, we're not, we're, we're, it's more of a nuanced um, um, conduct that Paul's talking about, and it, it really has to do with perseverance and strength and not showing fear. So that's kind of what we're focusing on uh, there. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear from you. Now, Paul's writing this from a prison, either in Rome or Caesarea, but we know he's writing from the prison. He says so in the gospel. Um, So he doesn't know whether he's ever going to see them. But the important point here is that whether I'm there, whether I'm absent, or I'm present, I will hear of you. Think of, you all have heard of Helen Keller, I presume. She persevered. Uh, Amazing perseverance. Nelson Mandela, Saeed Abedini. I mean, we could come up with a whole long list of people. And you think about their story, and what was special about them was that they persevered, whether it was in prison, whether it was being held by a government. Um, Their story didn't stay in the prison cell with them. So Paul's telling us here that our perseverance, it's going to be the gospel we present in many respects. Whether he's there or not, he will hear of it. So I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith. Standing firm here, um, the word there, uh, steko, really is holding, holding your ground, standing firm. Um, you see it in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, Galatians 5, 1, in, even in the book of Philippians, again, at four, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Um, it, we, we must not give ground. And Paul is emphasizing how critical that is. And in this next uh, uh, portion of the scripture, he says, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now, I want to focus for a second on that, on that, um, on that word striving together. Sunatheleo. Okay, it's struggling together, contending together. N.T. Wright and, and, and a couple other commentators, um, they liken this to a sports team contending together, working towards victory. Um, And I'm never opposed to a good sports metaphor. I'm pretty sure, you know, it's never been done in the history of biblical exegesis, so why not today? But but here I think there's a better better comparison for a couple of reasons. First of all, there's another word, sunagonizomai, which um, also means to work together in a common effort, to fight to contend together. Uh, and work in supporting role, and I would think that seems to me to f- more emphasize sort of what we think of as a sport, but, you know, it could be either way. Um, but the other, the, more to the point, the sports analogy to me places a lot of emphasis on the team succeeding based on its own merits. You put 11 guys on the field, those 11 guys score or they don't score, they win or they don't win. Okay, yeah, I know they'll, they'll, they'll cross the the end zone or what it for, or, you know, if they're playing football, and I, and I know that they, it all came from God, right? Because every one of them does this. 
praise you, Lord. One finger at you, three back at me, but I praise you, Lord. And, you know, um, that's great. But they can't put a 12th man on the field. They stand or fall uh, on their own merits. And so this, this metaphor, it, um, you know, I know there's no I in, in team and, and win one for the Gipper, and it's, it's very inspiring. But I think it's touching on something different here. So I use a different analogy. Um, one I think so many of you probably can relate to a little more closely, although I don't think we have any NFL players in here, do we? Um, but I know we have a lot of people who've um, experienced something like this. The Michael and I were talking earlier this week about uh, the movie We Were Soldiers and the Battle of, of Yadong. Is that right? Did I pronounce that right? Um, and uh, I, you know, I was asking him and uh, talking to him about this idea of a combat unit and and what, what, what a combat unit must face. I've never served in the military, as you can clearly see. Um, but I think this idea of the combat unit is more along the lines of what Paul's getting at here. Uh, you're behind enemy lines, obviously. I mean, these guys in Philippi are persecuted. And we know the church is persecuted. And, 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 and they've gone into, uh, they're in an area surrounded. They've got a very defined goal. They know exactly what they need to do. But there's no guarantee of a way out. There's no guarantee of, of, of worldly victory. Um, you know, the surrounded, pinned down. And one thing's for sure, um, if you think of a unit, and you guys know this, who, who's been surrounded, sent in for a mission, maybe something went wrong, completely surrounded by the enemy, and basically you've got your backs to the wall and you're just struggling and surviving, struggling to survive. Staying together. Don't let them pick you off. Um, we just got to get through this. And um, that's kind of how I see these guys in this, in this church. Um, but there's a difference between, of course, them and, and the sports analogy is that they have the opportunity to bring in ground to air. They can call <laughs> higher power. I had, I had some fun... I, I, Side note, I don't know anything about airplanes, but I love them. I mean, you know, like the fellas, I watch them fly over my house every day from Dulles. There's like an Emirates Air thing. It's just beautiful. So I'm poking around. I had fun looking for these, and then I'm going, well, I got a lot of guys in the Air Force. I got to, you know, with my luck, I'm not knowing anything about airplanes, I'll put a Russian MiG up there or something. And <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that this is a U.S. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a daunting sight. Well, I mean... God is much bigger than any airplane or air force that we can build. We all know this. Um, but here's the thing. Even then, God isn't always promising a way out of peril in this world. He's just, he may or he may not deliver any one of us or anybody who is a Christian from their impending doom if they're facing a situation um, as they did in Philippi. But he doesn't need to because he, he's already won. Um, the battle's won, and that's the whole story. Church of Philippi stand up and talk about God in the face of perseverance. They're not talking about maybe. They're talking about it's done. <clears throat> so you can call in air support. Uh, John 16, 33 says, For these things I have spoken to you so that you 
may have peace in the world. In this world, you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. So we're not winning one for the Kipper here. We're bearing witness to what God has already won. And Paul's saying this is one a very important way uh, in which we do that. Um, <clears throat> he talks about uh, in no way be alarmed by your opponents which is a sign of destruction for them but of salvation to you and that too from God actually let me go back there for a second I want to actually hit on this quote um, in no way be alarmed by your opponents which is a sign of destruction for them but of salvation for you I was, I was in South Africa at one point um, in a a town, it's a city called Umtada. It's, it's not a very nice place. We were in a, uh, I was there with my daughter. She's like 11 years old. And we were in a, a kind of a sketchy part of it. Well, the whole town is sketchy, but we were like in a specially sketchy part of the town where I had to get some supplies at this market. Um, and I walked, uh, I was getting my things together and I was walking out and a, a, a very large uh, African man came and walked right up to me and just stood right in front of me with my daughter, um, and just kind of stared down at me, and, and, he, and I could smell alcohol on his breath, and, and, and he was rough looking, I mean, big guy. Uh, and he said, he stops me, and he goes, are you scared of me, white man? Um, and I just sort of looked at him, and he goes, I could kill you right now, are you scared of me? And, uh, and I looked around, and there's all the people in, in the market, even the people who are working, they're all just kind of like, mm. you know, I'm like, oh, really? I've got no backup here? What's going on? And, and I'm there with my daughter, and I'm going, okay, this is it. This is not good. Uh, and he kept asking me that question, and, um, and I looked at him, and I, I, did, I looked him in the eye, and I said, well, I don't need to be scared of you. I, I th you're, you're made by God. You're a good man. I don't think you'll hurt me. You're a good guy. I, I'm not going to be scared of you. And he looked at me for a little bit and went back and forth. Um, and then he just laughed and walked away. Now, I didn't, I'm not sharing that because I'm, I'm a tough guy who stared somebody down at all. Okay, I mean, the guy could have squished me like a bug. But the truth was, and, you know, more to the point, was I scared of him? Oh, yeah. I think I had to go back and get some toilet paper. And it was not uh, a fun situation. Um, but I knew I didn't, didn't want to show the fear to the extent that I couldn't. I could. Uh, and he walked away. And um, so Paul says, in no way be alarmed by your opponents. It's a sign of destruction for them, but a salvation for you. He really is calling us not to show our fear and not to have our fear. Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Matthew 10, 28 reminds us of that. 1 Peter 3, 14 uh, and 15, which is there. Um, and, and, and this idea that we should be uh, holding strong and testifying through our perseverance. Um, one, one commentary uh, says, The unity of the church and the refusal of cower in the face of persecution become the proof of their own salvation and the perdition in store of the, for their enemies. Um, I like that, but I really like this quote from Alan Kreider, who's a Christian historian and scholar. He was writing about the early church when he wrote this, um, and he said, the non-Christians, as you can read, observe that the Christians, even at their weakest, embodied a power that could be construed as divine. 
this power manifested itself in the Christian's inexplicable strength under torture and persecution. We speak through our strength. We speak through our strength, not our strength to overcome or, or our own, by our own power, not how tough we are, not how many guns we have or how, many, how much money we have or how many of this or things that, you know, we, 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 we speak of divine power when we say, no matter what you bring my way, I will not forsake the, Lord of love, the word of God. To you it has been granted, for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me and now here in me. And I'm just going to close with this bit. Paul says we're going to suffer for his sake if we're true to the gospel. If we love Jesus, we're going to suffer. Jesus said that. Um, if we put ourselves out there. If you put yourself out there in America, even today, you'll suffer. So what is it to suffer? Um, I'm, I'm going to tell you that it's more than being forced to bake a wedding cake. And it's more than being forced to photograph a wedding. That's persecution. I'm not telling you it's not. And maybe that's a sign of things to come. Um, how many of you are, are, are aware of the, of the story Perpetua and Felicity? These are two Christian women. They, were, um, they lived in Carthage, Africa, uh, around AD 202, uh, which was then um, under Emperor Severus. And he was a, not a nice guy to Christians. Okay, really. Not a, not a, not a, not a friendly person. Uh, Perpetua was a 22-year-old woman. Uh, Felicity was her uh, slave. Um, but they were very close Christian women. And uh, Perpetua had a, a one-year-old son, I think, or an infant son. Felicity was, was pregnant when they were um, taken in and imprisoned because of their Christian beliefs. And um, they were told, uh, basically, recant your belief in Christianity or, or die. And there's different stories about this, um, you know, that at one point Perpetua's husband came to her with, uh, with their baby in his arms saying, please, just recant for the baby, recant. The father, maybe this another story says the father did, but the point being that, that people came to her, uh, loved ones came to her and said, you know, even for the sake of the child, recant. What are you thinking? Um, say you're not a Christian. And she said, in response, do you see this water jar? There was a water jar there. Or whatever it is standing here. Could one call it by any other name than what it is? Well, in the same way, I cannot be called by any other name than what I am, Christian. Felicity was pregnant. Um, they would not execute a pregnant woman, so they waited for her to have the baby. And then they were both beheaded. The stories say they were joyf going off joyfully as though they were on their way to heaven when they went, in to be, uh, to when they went to be executed. Um, I don't know how much has been added to that story over the years. I certainly believe that the children were there. And I, I wondered to myself as I read this and thought about this, 
how would we calculate that decision ourselves in our world today? How do we? I, I've thought about it when I've taken my kids to South Africa. Well, this is stupid. What if something happens to them? You know, how would we, would we perceive it? Would we, would we make the same calculation that Perpetua made? And I think about it, and I think, yes, that child was left motherless. But that child was probably saved in that moment because if her mom recanted, would that child really grow up knowing Christ and his promise is real? It's a hard question. Um, whatever is true about this story or not, we know the truth of beheadings exists in our world even today, and very much today, Christians are losing their heads for Christ. And they're doing it, sending out a great message that nothing will separate them from their God, not even death. I think about this, and I pray that I will think about the stories of perpetual felicity and all of those who are putting so much, everything on the line for Christ. Every time someone asks me about the gospel, or any time an opportunity arises, and I think twice about should I share this good news today. Sure, there are reasons sometimes we wouldn't share good news if it's not going to fall on ears that are going to be rejected if you're pushing it on somebody. So it's a discipleship process, I understand. But you see my point that so many have given so much and every one of you are marked by the cross of Christ and no less is asked of you and no less is asked of me. Um, but the beautiful thing is God, Christ has overcome. And when we stand strong in his name, we scream the truth of the gospel. So let me just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have overcome, Lord, that we have nothing to fear because you, Lord, you have our backs. And Father, we ask for the courage to step ourselves, come to know you better, even and especially through our struggles, and more so that maybe one or two or three or a thousand other people might know you because of how we act in the midst of them. Father, we ask that you go with us today and give us strength to persevere. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.